Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. You can now support Ghost Maps on Patreon and buy our official merchandise on Redbubble. Simply look for We Are Huntu or click the links in the description. Ghost Maps. Entry 43. Port Dixon, Malaysia. Rob, an Australian living and working in Singapore, has just finished telling me part of a story over drinks at a coffee shop in Ubi. Him, his college roommate Ashok, and Ashok's wife Liz are my last three interviewees on this busy, hungry ghost month evening. The trio had all experienced disturbing encounters during a trip to Port Dixon back in 2015, together with their three friends, Vincent and another couple, Sheila and Mike. None of them had noticed at the time, however, that their holiday had fallen during the last weekend of the Hungry Ghost Month. Rob's just told me about how Vincent had fallen violently ill on the first night at their Port Dixon villa, throwing up vomit, blood, and some stringy substance. After cleaning up the mess and putting their friend to bed, the group had decided to brush it off as just a strange one-off incident. But on some level, says Ashok, I think we all knew that this was just a start. I shift my seat and my recorder slightly to face him now. Ashok says that despite what had happened to Vincent the night before, the group decided the best thing to do was to go ahead with their scheduled plans on the second day of their trip. Go-karting, he says, with only a slight chuckle. That's what we got up to after Vince's mysteriously quick recovery. He sighs regretfully, then continues. If only we had just packed up and left that morning instead. He stares blankly into the distance as Rob grips his shoulder supportively. I notice then that Liz, her hand in Ashok's, has the same faraway look. I give them a moment to collect themselves, then ask Ashok to start from his beginning. After an afternoon of go-karting, the group stopped by a cafe to grab some sandwiches and finger food for dinner. Just like when they arrived on the first evening of their holiday, returning to the villa on that second day gave them an uneasy feeling. 
all the surrounding villas remained unoccupied, and even the late afternoon's enchanting glow couldn't make up for the foreboding sense of dread that their accommodation inspired. After they parked the minivan in the driveway, everyone headed up to their own rooms to freshen up before their early dinner. Ashok changed out of his t-shirt and jeans into a singlet and shorts. Liz wanted to take a shower, but very quickly had a change of heart. From the moment I stepped into the ensuite bathroom, I felt like I was being watched. She explains, shuddering. Normally, I would have brushed it off, Ashok says, rubbing her arms soothingly. Paranoia? After the night before, maybe? Except, I could feel it too. A presence just beyond the bathroom door. Without soaping up, Liz hurried out of the bathroom, dripping wet. In that moment, the couple looked at each other and just knew. After she had dried off and changed, Liz and Ashok headed downstairs. On their way down, however, they passed by Sheila and Mike's room and noticed that the door was slightly ajar. Still reeling from the eeriness that they had just experienced, Ashok immediately felt like something was wrong. Liz and him paused to knock on the door. Sheila had just finished a quick shower, Ashok says, but Mike had apparently already gone downstairs without a word. Ashok and Liz waited for Sheila to get ready before heading down together. They didn't mention anything about the presence they felt in their room. No sense freaking everyone out, they reasoned, if there was nothing more than a feeling to go on, albeit a strong one. As the three friends neared the bottom of the stairs, Ashok, Liz and Sheila nearly tripped and fell from shock. At the foot of the stairs was a pillar. Standing in its shadow was Mike, staring menacingly at them. Sayang, what the hell? Sheila shouted at him. No response. Just an angry gaze. Ashok's frustrations bubbling to the surface. He chastised Mike furiously. But Mike silenced him with a guttural snarl. And that's when he turned his attention to Liz. Silently, Mike raised his arms and pointed right at her. His snarl turned into an evil grin 
Without thinking, Ashok leapt forward and grabbed Mike's arm, but Mike pulled free and just turned to walk away. Out the villa's front door. Ashok wanted to go after him, but Liz stopped him. I didn't know what Mike was capable of at that moment, Liz says. Soon, Vincent and Rob joined them, and after Ashok had told them what had happened, Rob insisted that they go out to look for Mike. Vince was out there all alone the night before, when the illness struck him, Rob says. I didn't want to risk anything happening to anyone else. Ashok was still hesitant, more for Liz's safety than anything else. But just as they had all agreed to head out, however, Mike walked back in, looking none the worse for wear. He talked about the sunset and how beautiful it was out there, like nothing had happened, Ashok tells me, shaking his head. Ashok, Liz and Sheila tried to question him, to ask him about what had happened earlier, but Mike genuinely seemed to have no recollection. As far as he was concerned, he just took a stroll outside to enjoy the view while Sheila was taking a shower. Mike brushed off any further questions, and eventually, the group settled down for dinner. We still tried to hold on to this dying hope that things weren't as bad as they seemed, Ashok says. But there was no fooling ourselves this time. Everyone ate silently, the gravity of the situation finally dawning on all of them. When he was done, Mike wanted to head up to sleep, but Sheila awkwardly said she would rather spend the night in Ashok and Liz's room. Sheila seemed to be bracing herself, waiting for that twisted version of her husband to return. Ashok had tensed up too, prepared to leap in front of Sheila if Mike showed any signs of aggression. Instead, Mike just looked confused, then shrugged and said that he'd keep the door unlocked if she changed her mind. Rob and Vincent headed up next, each to their own rooms. And eventually, Ashok, Liz, and Sheila retreated to the couple's room. They talked for a while, trying to reason out Mike's earlier behavior at first. A dumb prank, work stress finally getting to him, maybe even just a weird mood. No matter what logical explanation they came up with, though, it just didn't feel right. They decided that they would leave the following morning, two days earlier than planned. They had hoped that the other three would go along with this, but even if they didn't, they'd just call for a car to pick them up. Finally, settling on their plans, the three friends felt 
somewhat comfortable enough to get some rest. Liz and Sheila would take the bed, with Ashok laying out a spare mattress on the floor. Before climbing into bed, however, Liz thought it might do them some good to open the balcony doors. I wanted to just let some air into what was starting to feel like a very claustrophobic place, Liz says, with a heavy sigh. As she grabbed the doorknob, though, she jumped back in terror and screamed. She frantically called out to Ashok as she scrambled towards him. Ashok ran to her and asked what was wrong, but she could only point shakily towards the balcony. Cautiously, he inched towards the doors, then reached out for the knob. What he felt wasn't ornately carved metal, but hair, long, coarse, black hair, wrapped around the doorknob, forming an almost cocoon-like shape. Ashok recoiled in disgust, but a moment later, a realization struck him. The hair? That's what the stringy substance in Vince's vomit was the night before. We wanted to get out right there and then, Ashok tells me. But it was already dark and we'd all had a full day. Ashok, Liz and Sheila remained huddled together on the bed the rest of the night. None of them had a wink of sleep, but thankfully... Nothing happened to them. Nothing, that is, beyond the sense that they were all being watched. The following morning, Ashok explained to the rest of the group why they needed to leave. Much to his relief, everyone agreed. We packed our things as quickly as we could, hopped into the minivan and sped off, Ashok says, his voice shaking slightly. We didn't look back. Hell, we'd even look out the windows. Last thing we wanted to see, all those other unoccupied villas. He hesitates on the word unoccupied, and I can understand why. Everyone's silent for a second. And I wonder whether that's the end of the ordeal. But then, almost as if she senses my uncertainty, Liz speaks up. What we didn't realize then, she says, was that something followed us home. If you want to discover more of Southeast Asia's other side, subscribe now and follow us on social media at We Are Hantu. You can also buy official merchandise on Redbubble and be one of our supporters on Patreon. Ghost Maps is recorded on Audio Technica mics. <laughs>